How's it going? Hey, Jesse, how's it going, man? No worries, dude. No worries. My computer is acting up. I, it, it, you get like a, I got like a Mac, so everything's wireless, and sometimes it oh. doesn't want to connect for some reason. Oh, I hear you, man. I have the same, I have the exact same issue sometimes, and it's so frustrating, especially when you're recording and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it just one day decides, hey, you know what? Not today, man. <laughs> you know. Well, typically what I do is, like I said, it's it's kind of easy going. We'll talk about music, of course, that's why you're here. Uh, whatever else comes up in, in the conversation, everyone's different. Normally, I ask people to play live if they want to. Uh, I know you're you're kind of on Zoom, and Zoom messes with the audio if you try to do like a live instrument. So yeah, yeah. what I've got is I've pulled up my Spotify, and we'll listen to your songs, and I'll just have it cut into, the, into it. All so, right, so yeah, sounds good, man. Because I'm a songwriter too, so I love hearing stories about about the songs. Yeah, yeah sounds good. Let's do this. All right. Everybody, welcome to the Georgia Songbirds. We are here with Mr. Izzy Caravan. Is that how, how you say it? Uh, yeah, Izzy. Izzy's Caravan is the band. Okay. So, yeah. Introduce yourself, Izzy. Oh, yeah. So, hey, this is Izzy from Izzy's Caravan. And uh, we're basically a... Uh, blues rock band uh, that's heavily heavily inspired by uh, you know the early Aerosmith records and mm-hmm. uh, John, Johnny Winter and uh, Rory Gallagher you know some of these guys who have been huge influences on me personally so um, so so we're basically in the same vein as uh, you know I mean very sort of very traditionalist that way as well um, that's just how I like it you know yeah, just you know, good now, old. Where are you guys out of? Uh, we started out in Canada. Okay. And uh, yeah, so most of the guys are still there right now. Okay. So that's where you're out of now is Canada? Uh, well, yeah, you could say that. Yeah. Okay. See, I've, I've never been to Canada. I'm not yet. I've, I've got a passport. Well, I had a passport because my wife is from Germany. So oh, cool. we went um, when the kids were just born so we went in like 2009 maybe 2010 and we flew over to germany and then we went to like paris and we did all that stuff so i need to get my passport it's how long i've been since i've been out of the country (laughs) yeah but you know especially nowadays as well right it's become it's become so hard uh Mm -hmm. where can you go where can't you go it's uh it's a strange uh strange times we're living in uh so uh Let's see how long this uh, this thing holds out. And, uh, you know, the sooner we get rid of it, the better. Because uh, right, I, I I personally don't like flying. I I really like I don't like getting on airplanes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but even I'm craving to to get out. So, <laughs> so yeah, uh, we just got back. Uh, we went in, toward into June, I guess. We went to Colorado, so I had to fly for the first time. So my wife said, because I, I do music, because I'm out in music scene too. And she said, since we're flying, you're going to go get your shot and we're going to go. So I was like, all right. So we went and Colorado it was so nice. I can just imagine, you know, being cooped up and, and wanting to go. Everybody wants to go hear music, especially music. People love to hear music. They get out. That's what they want to do. How yeah, is. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, oh, that's fine. I got, are you going to find out here? I'm out in the woods. So my internet's slow. So we're probably going to talk over each other and it doesn't bother me if it doesn't bother you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's cool with me. Um, I was going to say, how's the music scene up there in Canada? Uh, it's 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 good, but I mean, um, you know, 
when you were mentioning music and uh, and uh, you know the entire shutdown and stuff, lockdowns and everything, it, it's 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 I sure you know sometimes obviously it's not you know making light of the situation or anything, mm-hmm. but uh, you know I sort of refer to us sometimes as the pandemic band. Um, because when, when I started this journey, it was uh, right about December 2019. Okay. And it literally, I mean, when I dropped my, my first EP after like a couple of decades, it literally coincided with, uh, with this, uh, <laughs> you know. Yep. And so, so after that, we've been, you know, it's just been one EP and one record, you know, music is coming out and every time we're like um, all right let's you know hopefully this summer we'll go and uh, do some shows all right hopefully this winter we'll go and do some shows all right hopefully next summer we'll go and do and, and it's just been going on and on right um so yeah it's been pretty rough for us that way because uh i mean it, it's great because i'm you know I'm, I'm putting out so much music but it's uh it's it's tough in the sense you know you can't take it out in the road right but uh but yeah fingers crossed uh we're now properly working for uh you know 20 city tour uh next summer so fingers crossed that's gonna you know hopefully work out that that's cool now did you say did i hear you right you said you started like in 2019 did you take like a break or something is that what it was yeah i took a long break from music um, Sim and myself, um, Sim, he's the vocalist, and uh, we actually started uh, back into, uh, it was uh, around 2004 something, okay. and um, so we, we actually took out a couple of records back then, uh, in 2006, and, uh, you know, obviously that was a great time, uh, you know, when you're sort of much younger, every record sounds like, you know, the wall, right? Or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, rocks by Aerosmith, right? And so you're sort of like a legend in your own mind. Um, but then, um, uh, right around then, I actually left music. Um, I was really, really sort of disillusioned, uh, you know, by the general sort of music back then. And, uh, uh, you know, to me, uh, the guitar had sort of become like a commodity, like a piece of furniture, right? And everyone's, ha- everyone's got one, um, you know. Uh, so it's, you know, so it sort of lost its, uh, lost its appeal for me, right? I just didn't have that sort of drive to, uh, to continue with it. And, um, uh, you know, fast forward, you know, literally like 10, 12, 13 years. And uh, uh, I just happened, I mean, to... It was like a chance meeting and somebody's like, all right, why don't you just play something? And I'm like, nah, you know. And I, I still remember that moment when I first picked up the guitar after so long. Um, it's literally like being a kid again, right? And uh, it's just this sort of really overpowering sort of sensation. And uh, and I was like, you know, I, I got to do this. I got to get back into this. And, and this time I got to do it right, uh, you know. Out goes the naivety and, you know, uh, these sort of grand ambitions of, you know, playing Wembley Stadium one day. No, 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 let's just, let's just keep our feet 
you know, on the ground, uh, focus on music and uh, and take it from there. So yeah, it was, it's, it's been, uh, it's been quite a journey, uh, you know, all the way from 2006 to here, with this huge sort of void smack bang in the middle of that. I think a lot of songwriters and artists, they take, they have to take a break. I mean, because when you first start out, yeah, you got these lofty dreams and then they're not coming like you think they should. And all of a sudden you're like, you're five, six years into this. Like, well, what am I still doing this for? Well, if you're not doing it for the love to begin with, it's going to be hard to, to keep going. So you lose your passion. It happens. I mean, I took a break from songwriting for probably 15 years. And then I joined a songwriting group and I was like, you know what? I'm, I started writing my, for me personally, I wanted to write a song each week for the hope to be there so that it would push me to write more. Now there were crappy songs and I probably got maybe one gym out of a hundred, but it just, it lit that fire in me again to write. It's okay. I'm going to write now I'm going to go play. So I, I say, I understand most songwriters will understand. You got to take that break. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, you know, when something means, that much to you right when mm. um you know i mean i always uh you know the good thing was uh, you know for us growing up in a generation which is slightly older and uh you know having sort of you know my dad was a big audiophile right mm. uh, and so all my life i've seen him you know with his speakers and amps and everything you know and uh and so obviously he, you know, played all these records and stuff, like, you know, so I, I still remember growing up listening to, uh, you know, Pink Floyd and Dire Straits and, and stuff like that. Um, and I still remember when I first heard uh, Money for Nothing by Dire Straits. And, uh, Great song. You know, to, to, I mean, it's like a, like, a, like a really young kid. I was like, you know, I want to do what this guy's doing. I mean, I was just blown away, right? It's mm-hmm. like, uh and so, so having that sort of origin point uh, really helps as well, uh, in a sense, uh, you know, that from then on, it became so meaningful to me, right? That, you know, the, the, to me, I always knew that the guitar would have some really crucial part to play in my life. Right? I, mm-hmm. I just couldn't put it behind me. And I think the break was well worth it because, uh, you know, coming back into it, it's like, you know, old, a little bit older and a, and much more wiser now. You know, about how to do stuff. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's been great though. I still remember the first song like that I remember listening to as a kid was I was going into my mom's room for something and she was like doing the laundry and the radio was playing and it was the Eagles and it was Heartache Tonight and yeah. I just fell in love with the Eagles then. That's a bad company. Uh, Skinner, Zeppelin, all those great musicians. I mean, that's that kind of music is so hard to to find now. I mean, what do you think about like the like? You don't hear a lot of rock bands anymore. Like when they do like the top forty, they're not there. They used to be there all the time. Yeah, uh, you know, I was I was uh, I was out for for dinner with a friend of mine as well, and uh, and uh, you know, she's. She's in the arts and stuff as well. I'm doing pretty well. And uh, so we were just discussing, you know, in terms of uh, social media and mm-hmm. you know, the, the new sort of version of popularity and, uh, uh, you know, uh, fame and, uh, you know, so on and so forth, all these things. And I was like, look, uh, 
as far as what I do is now a very sort of niche market, uh, even though I really despise using the term market, but it, it's a niche audience, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, but, uh, I, you know, I always sort of see myself as, as a serious underdog in this game now, right? In the sense, um, you know, I'm sort of really sticking to, to what I grew up listening to and what I still listen to and what's still playing in my car. And I'm so passionate about that, that type of music that it, it directly reflects into, into what I write because that's the only thing I can write. Uh, because that's what means something to me. Um, so yeah, absolutely, right? That sort of traditional rock band, rock music, blues rock, um, it has really sort of taken a beating uh, in the commercial sense. Um, but we're hoping we can sort of tap into, uh, you know, the, the nostalgic audience, which is like, you know, Zeppelin stones, da, da, da. Mm-hmm. but these guys aren't going to do it forever. Um, and part of me hopes that, you know, maybe people can pick our records up and say, all right, well, you know, we didn't get the stones. Um, we'll make do with these guys. Right. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, so, so hopefully that, you know, that works out. Um, but, but I'm really, I'm, I'm a real stickler for, uh, for, sticking to that one sort of type of music, which is that old school traditional blues rock stuff. Right. Uh, yeah. Which is typically underdogs anyway. That's kind of what yeah. all that genre was, was underdogs going and just sticking it in your face. I mean, I, like I said, I, I grew up on that stuff. I grew up here listening to the country and the Southern rock, but like Charlie Daniels, Leonard Skinner, all those bands that we would listen to. And then like now, I'm listening to the radio. We was talking about before. I'd listen to radio stations. And before, when you hear like a top 40, there would always be Aerosmith, ACDC, because I see the ACDC sign behind you. <laughs> they would have those bands sprinkled in and you don't see that anymore. And it just like, there's a, there's always country stations. There's always like pop music stations. And when they go to rock, all they have is they call it classic rock. I don't hear any like new rock stations. It drives me crazy. I don't yeah. understand. Yeah, that that's so true. It's uh, you know, and, and I sometimes even joke around. I'm like, you know, you know, we sound classic enough. Why don't they just throw us, on, you know, onto the, you know, the classic rock radio stations? Um, but yeah, it, it's 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 becoming it's a, it's definitely a challenge now. Um, you know, especially when you want to become the, you know, when you put this music out there and you you're really hoping you can sort of be the signal from the noise that's around you. Right? And, uh, you know, I, I totally understand. And it's, it's again, sort of being more grounded now, which is, uh, you know, when uh, we're not a YouTube band or we're not an Instagram band, mm-hmm. right? You know, I, I'm still sort of operating on the, on the principles where, all right, here's a record, you know, let's get in the studio, here's a record. Now let's go tour on this record. Mm-hmm. Come back, make another record, go tour behind it, right? Because again, you know, there's, that's even if you look at the, the financial aspect of it, you know, that's pretty much the only place where we can sort of sustain ourselves, right? I mean, we're not going to make any money off uh, Spotify or anything, 
that, that's not going to happen. Um, so, so the good thing is, you know, uh, having that sort of, you know, again, that traditionalist approach um, is by choice and by necessity, right? So it's, it's a little bit of both now for us. Um, but, but, you know, it's a challenge. I mean, that, so what's life without a challenge, right? Right. And, and I agree with you, but like the Spotify things, a lot of people, because it's so easy accessible now that all you can do is you can put any song you want on there and then you can stream it or whoever, you know, and then now they got the system where, and I know it happens and I don't know why it happens, but it still does. Is it they're paying these people to get put on playlist, which like I said, I put the, from anybody's in the countdown, anybody's been on here, I'll put them on my playlist. I never charge. I don't see the point in that one is payola to me. It's illegal. You shouldn't have to yeah. pay for it but I know they're doing it and they're pushing these numbers up. And then it goes to like what you were saying before you get, you get like, okay, I've got a hundred thousand streams on Spotify. Why am I not seeing the big bucks? Because you've got your head wrapped around a number that doesn't mean anything. And I think a lot of people get discouraged by that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And see, again, you know, um, wow, there was, uh, that was, that was, doing another interview a while back and uh, I guess that lady didn't like me saying this but um, but this is this is this exact the exact same point that I made to her I said look man for me um, when I you know when I write my music and and when it comes you know unfortunately you know you know we don't have that CD artifact anymore mm -hmm. right uh, so we it's got to be on uh, Deezer or Spotify and any of these things um, but I but, but that's like, to me, uh, you know, I told her, I said, look, I'd rather have 300 people listen to my music who genuinely want to listen to that music as opposed to having uh, a million views which are not organic. Um, there's no appreciation for the, for the art form at all, right? It's just people... I don't know, probably listening 35, 40 seconds and then moving on, but it's still being recorded as a, as a view or a right. play or something, or likes or subscriptions or whatnot. Um, part of me, you know, gets a little sort of, uh, like I get a little hurt when I hear this stuff. Oh, so, so I have so many views and blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, but are they, are they really organic? Is it really people out there saying, oh, it's like, you know, I mean, Sometimes I, I sort of really sort of crave for the, the you know, the era of, sure, well, there's never going to be a Beatles again, right? You're not going to see airports around the world filled with, you know, uh, screaming fans and everything. But that's sort of, you know, when I used to go to shows, right, I used to go literally wherever, you know, whether it was Aerosmith or, uh, you know, Slash and ACDC, which is the reason I mentioned it because I ended up hanging out with Slash and uh, Angus Young that day. And yeah, and that's the, the story I want to hear about. Don't 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 just sidestep that. We're gonna come <laughs> yeah. back to that. Yeah, for sure. And you know that sort of passion that you had that you know, the, all right, wow, I got to meet my you know my heroes, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, so that's sort of fervor. That's what you try. The fans used to have is. I think all these new formats took that away from us. Yeah, uh, it's so it's it's so accessible now. It's just there, right? Um, yeah, you, you kind of hit the the nail on the head with that. The key word you kept saying was organic, and 
I think that's a big part of like the music when the people, like you said, they listen like 30 seconds and they scroll on. Okay. I get that, but it's, it's not going to get you a real fan. And like I said, it's, it inflates the number. It's not right. Now, the only people that it could help, like if you're, if you're pitching it to a, a publisher or you're pitching it to for sync, yeah, they're probably gonna listen to 30 seconds, 40 seconds. If they're not inter- interested by then, then yeah, they're going to say, okay, no, thank you. We'll, we'll move on. But as a, as a listener, like I'm, I have this conversation before this mother guest is the old days, like when they had albums, physical albums that you would buy and you would go listen to them and you never knew what you'd get. You'd get like some great songs, you get some bad songs, you know, you, you didn't know. It was always kind of a crapshoot what you got. But those days, people are just don't, don't get that anymore. There's nothing to me like opening up somebody's CD. And for me, it was tapes because that's how I used to love listening to tapes. But you open it up and you pull out the, the big sheet. It's got all the lyrics and it's got all the bandmates and I love that stuff. And you don't get that anymore. Oh yeah. It was, you know, when you take it out of the shrink wrap and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was, it was, a, it was an entire journey of exploration, right? It's like, all right, what do you guys want? Cause obviously every band, for every band, the latest record is the best record they've ever done until the next one comes out. You know, mm-hmm. and they're like, Oh, that record was crap. Right. But for the, for the fan, it was always, you know, that sort of the, the act of getting up, going to the record store, mm-hmm. you know, giving your hard-earned money, you know, taking this material sort of artifact home, you know, and that's the, the, the story behind it was as meaningful to us as, uh, as the music itself. Right. right. And so you listen to the whole record over and over again to see which ones you like, which ones you don't like, you know, which one go in your mixtape or something along those lines, right? <laughs> uh, you know, uh, so... Yeah, those were, you know, simpler times, I guess. You say mixtape, it made me think of sitting by the radio, waiting to hit record when your song came on, because you knew it was going to. Oh, the countdown, coming in at number 10, and then you hit record. And like, stop talking, DJ, so I can get the song. (laughs) I remember those days. Now everything's so accessible. Yeah, I was like, uh, but I think that was a thrill of it. I still remember there was one time where I was really... Yeah, there was uh, it was cheap trick and journey. So you know, and sometimes when a song just comes in your head and you're like, man, I really want to hear this song, but I had to sort of wait for it to come on radio, right? And so mm-hmm. and I was like, all right, click, you know, that's it. There you go, you know, uh, get get this song and on, you know, recorded. That that was the only way you could listen to it, right? And, uh, but uh, yeah, things have changed. Man. I think it's taken a lot of of content away too i mean i know that there's so much more content available from everybody you anybody can put like i said put their music on but like these bigger names that have all the the companies behind them has has all that money has that machine that is just pushing them to to start them and you know because it it takes more than one or two people you got to have a whole bunch of people to help you but they're making these songs now and instead of making albums they're making either singles or they're doing eps and they're using this as a songwriter. It's hard because they're using the same songwriters for the same songs. They're not really branching out. They're not there's, I think there's so much music music that's being left on the table that you just, you're never here, unfortunately. Yeah. That's uh, you know, it's, it's, I, I think record companies now are definitely on the wrong side of history at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of sad with what they've done, especially to, uh, 
you know, like you mentioned, rock and roll, blues and stuff. I believe at the Grammys now, um, the rock and blues category, I don't know, maybe rock, but I know the blues category doesn't even, they don't even air that one. That's one of those Grammys that they give like, like a couple of days before or something. I was just like, wow, dude, that's, uh, that's literally the, the origin point of your entire, you know, music industry. And if that's not an indicator that things aren't going uh, the right way, then, uh, then I don't know what is because, uh, uh, because yeah, I, I, I honestly think, I think, you know, decades from now when we sort of have the data behind this stuff and, uh, and I think when we look back, uh, I, I think, well, record companies have always been on the wrong side of history, but this is, uh, you know, this is absolutely criminal to what they've, uh, what they've done to, to artists and upcoming artists and stuff like that. Yep. Um, so, uh, now, you mentioned, I told you, we can go back to this. You said you got to hang out with Slash. I want to hear this story. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, this, this, was, um, this was when Slash's Snake Pit was opening for ACDC. This was in, uh, in Toronto. Okay. And... Um, I remember it was August 10. Uh, I, I'm forgetting what year it was. Um, but I do remember that um, because it sold out so fast, they added a second show uh, the next day. And I bought tickets for both. And uh, so I, I used to go to these shows like, you know, like seven in the morning, you know, hang out at the venue. And, uh, you know, as the day goes by, you just have more hours to drink a lot of beer, right? And, uh, you know, go out, you know, have fun. So I sometimes used to go to shows alone because that's when you, I just really wanted to take in everything that I saw, right? Mm -hmm. um, so the, the, the uh, this show that, that, that Slash was opening for ACDC, so I, I, I'll send you pictures as well. I was literally dressed up like Slash, right? <laughs> Uh, you know, I got my top hat on and everything. You know, it's like, and it was funny because a few people even came. You know, when I was hanging out, and they're like, "Are you? Are you in the band? Are you in the band?" I was like, "No, no, no, man. I'm just just here as a fan, right?" Um, so I still remember in the mid afternoon, um, Slash's tour bus literally showed up at the main door, and uh, and there were just maybe like fifteen or twenty people hanging around there. So I was like, "All right." awesome right um so i obviously i was like look man i'm never gonna see this guy again i'm not you know, security no security man i want to see this dude right um so i met the band like as they were sort of going in you know they're like hey, well, uh, you know, quick sort of meet and greet sort of thing and they went in um well my day was about to get better because um sometime in the afternoon one of the local radio stations set up like a little van outside the venue and um, where Slash and his band had to come in and do their radio interview. And I still remember that really well because um, he was talking about Britney Spears back then. And, uh, and one of the comments that he made in that radio interview, as I'm like just looking at him give this interview, right? He's literally like, you know, a few feet away from me. And he's like, you know, you're always going to have your boy George and Britney Spears and blah, 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 but rock and roll will always be there. Zeppelin's not going to go anywhere, right? It's culturally immortal, or the Stones. But he said, like, every decade you get these pop artists which eventually fade away. But 
So, um, so anyway, you know, and so I was waiting out there looking like him and uh, there was Kerry Kelly who used to be in Rat and I believe in Warren and stuff. He was playing rhythm for him then and uh, Johnny G was his bass player. It was a great record that they had released. I was dressed like him. So, so they kept saying, oh, your little brothers. Yeah. So, so I met them first mm-hmm. and uh, the security was taking Flash away. And um, so when they started meeting me, that's when even Slash like, oh, you know, well, so he was like, you know, then so, so we hung out for quite a bit, right? Like, you know, five, 10 minutes or so. And uh, really, he's a really awesome guy. Like, um, there was none of that rock star sort of, uh, uh, you know, arrogance or anything. Like, mm-hmm. met everyone. Um, so yeah, so met him, hung out with him. That was really cool. Well, it was about to get even crazier because once the show was done, we were all hanging out outside and ECDC's tour bus came to pick them from the main door. And, uh, and it was crazy because obviously, and, and there was, I still remember this so, so well. There was this one guy who had all this ECDC memorabilia and merchandise and whatever. And when he saw Angus Young, because then security's like, okay, you guys, you know, three or four at a time, you can come in. And this guy starts bawling, right? He's just weeping. Um, and so the security guy's like, dude, you've been here since like the morning, right? So you can go. So, so I still, I, you know, I, I still remember taking a picture with Angus and he's really short, right? Like I, I'm not that tall either, uh-huh. but he's really short, right? Uh, and so it was just, a crazy experience right uh, it's a lot of fun that's see I, I love stories like that there's always great stories in songwriting and even in in if you're playing out even if in that case you weren't playing out you just happen to go to the show which yeah. tells me people go to the shows you never know what's going to happen absolutely yeah so yeah, let's, I, let's see sorry Go ahead. I was just I was just pulling something up for you so you could see the the screen for your songs in just a second. I'm gonna let you have one of your songs played. Cool, cool. So let's see. Let's put that right there. I have to share. I have to push all these buttons for you. Um, there we go. Now, when you write a rock song, because songwriting it, to me is always the same. You you know you write what you feel. Kind of explain. Um, what your process is for for your song i know they're different every time but what's the general process for izzy when he sits down to think of a, a rock song to write you know uh, uh a lot of times it literally just uh comes out of me uh, just playing guitar practicing you know mm-hmm. um get the drums going and uh just start jamming okay and uh, something or the other always shows up, right? Or it just surfaces and, you know, you get, you know, you should, like, I always have the DAW right there. So if something sort of piques my interest, click record. And <clears throat> I think one of the sort of, in, you know, the, the sort of telltale sign that something good has come out is, uh, you know, if a couple of days go by and that sort of riff is sort of still lingering in my head at some point, right? And that's when I usually end up going back and uh, and in, in a lot of cases, it's like the music comes first and then uh, and then the lyrics sort of show up. Um, okay. spe- yeah, speaking of the lyrics, um, most of what I write about is uh, 
is just basic human stories, right? It's um, just things I see on the news or, you know, newspaper or, you know, something on the other, some world events or something like that, right? Uh, and these sort of things, uh, you know, the lyrics then sort of come really naturally to me, right? Because, uh, you know, it's not being uh, political, it's not taking one side over the other, it's literally just uh, objectively writing about what I see and what I hear. And, uh, you know, some of the things uh, happening in the world are, you know, I, I don't have a Twitter account or anything. So I'd rather take all that sort of feeling that I have about what's happening in the world and put it in a song. Let's listen to one of your songs. Which song would you like to play first? Oh, we can go with, uh, how about Roadkill Reader? That's a fun one. Roadkill, there it is. All right, I'm going to play this one, and then we're going to talk about it after, because I want to know the story behind this song. I love stories. So we'll listen to it first, and then you can tell me the story. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, so here goes Roadkill Reader. Yeah. 
Uh, now you got to explain that song, Roadkill Rita. Yeah, this one, uh, it, it's actually like a sequel um, because um, uh, the EP that I released prior to uh, this album, Blow the Lid, um, there, was a, there, there was a song on that record called Whiskey Alley Blues. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, so sometimes what I do is I just sort of create these characters, right? And, um, and sort of in a way, vicariously tell, you know, stories about what I see in the world through the eyes of these characters, right? And so, so the song Whiskey Alley Blues was, uh, uh, was, believe it or not, you know, I sort of played around with the, the whole sort of Robert Johnson, uh, you know, myth, the, the, the legend about selling the souls to the devil and stuff. Got right? a song for and, that, just the same way. <laughs> yeah. And so, so I took the whole sort of story and, you know, course made a few uh you know uh took, took a little bit of liberty with it and then uh, and so there was a song about this character johnny and uh you know obviously uh because on the pole was what i sort of affectionately called my uh my johnny winter record mm-hmm. uh so i figured there had to be a character named johnny in it um so so when i started doing blow the lid and uh, i was like well you know how about we sort of now take a strong sort of sort of female protagonist and uh, you know and write about uh, this girl who's a rock and roller and sort of goes out in the world and everybody tells her that uh, no it's never going to happen it's never going to happen and again these are the things that you know that we as musicians hear all the time like, oh, it's, you know. um, and again I guess it was just um, sort of me projecting my own uh, inner uh, is through the eyes of this character called Rita who actually goes out and makes it more rock and roll and it's a uh, you know there's no sort of it's a happy ending right uh, it's a, from tough times to going all the way you know, uh, and sort of I guess you know it's cliche but you know, doing what you're passionate about mm-hmm. you know, so that's basically the, the message in the song. Okay. I always like, because rock, rock songs have some of the weirdest names for titles. They just do. I mean, some of Led Zeppelin titles, I couldn't tell you why they named it that. It's funny. <laughs> like my, my kids, like if, if you watch the Marvel movies, there's a Thor movie, you know, the third Thor where he's going through the, he's fighting with the lightning and it's like hammer of the gods come on, you know, the immigration song from Led Zeppelin. Oh, yeah. And my kids n- didn't know what it was. They loved the song. Like, oh, can we play, can we play the Thor song? I'm like, what are you talking about? The movie Thor. Oh, Led Zeppelin. Yeah, the Hammer of the Gods. I was like, let me show you what song it is. But yes, we can play it. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, I gotta, I, you, you probably won't believe this, uh, but um, I think I only saw the first couple of Marvel movies and uh, I didn't watch anything after it. Well, A, because, uh, you know, again, not sort of being binary, but uh, but I was, you know, I have a Batman tattoo. I've Justice League posters everywhere. I'm, I've always sort of, you know, been absolutely fascinated with DC, you know, the comics and everything. Um, in fact, speaking of, uh, you know, some of these things, one of the songs on our, on our album, Blow the Lid, called, uh, the song is called Return to Midway. So... Uh, so I actually 
it, you know, we had this song back since 2006, but I brought it back from the, from the shelf, dusted it off, redid it um, as a dedication to Zack Snyder's Justice League, you know, so the, the whole sort of restore the Snyder was because, you know, I was really behind it. I was like, I, I want to see what he does, right? I thought it was, uh, what he did was brilliant. With, uh, so you you so, did get you to know, see what he did? The one he re- you did get to see the one he released, the extended edition? Oh, yeah. I think I've seen it at least like 10, 15 times. Uh, <laughs> you know, just, I, I thought it was, it was absolutely brilliant what he did. Uh, and, and part of the reason actually why, why, why I sort of did do that song for Zack Snyder is because uh, more so it was about artistic freedom. Um, mm. you know, I, I think it's, it's ruthless when some suit comes and tells you that this is what your artistic vision should be like. And I think that, you know, the, the, the good side of, uh, of now this sort of DIY era is, you don't, I, I don't have that sort of pressure on me, right? I mean, we have an 18 minute song on our, on our last album. And I don't have some record company executive telling me, are you crazy? 18 minutes, now we're going to go on radio. Well, it's not supposed to be on radio, right? It's, uh, it's for the fans, right? I mean, for the audience, if they like it, then that's good enough. Right? And that's who it's for, right? Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, that, that's why, that's why I, I did that song because it's all about creative freedom. See, now he said they would say that, but look at all the rock songs that did make it on the radio that were that long. Or close to it. Freebird was not a, a like seven and a half, eight minute song. Hotel California wasn't short. Uh, and the God of Vita was not a short song. If they play that whole drum solo, that's an 18 minute song. Um, what's the what's that one? Like Alice's Restaurant, that's actually a pretty long song. There was another Light one. Fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when the doors did that, I think the, the end, uh, when the music's over, those were like you know, epic stories, right? Uh, um, so, 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 you know, I was like, look, if, and if the song needs to be 18 minutes to tell the story, then so be it, right? Uh, if it takes you four listens to listen to the whole song, sure, you know, uh, you have Spotify now, right? <laughs> you can literally uh, listen to it anytime, but, um, but the song should stand on its own merit. Right? And, uh, and I was like a real stickler again when, when it came to recording. I mean, on average, I think our songs were hitting like the five plus mark, six mark, six minute mark easily. Right. Um, I don't mind that in a song because I love solos anyway. So I think like one of my songs is like maybe four and a half, five minutes. It's got two solos. It's got an acoustic solo and it's got an electric solo in it. I like that stuff. Now, I granted, it's not people are so worried now oh well people don't have the they don't have the patience to sit through that song like, they ain't got patience to sit through a six minute song then they're not gonna like the music anyway so okay again go back to what you said before it's not organic because jam bands there are a lot of jam bands allman brothers was a jam band and they played forever and it was great music i think if the music is good it's not really gonna matter it's when you get these three minute, four minute songs that are boring or they take, or they tell too much of a story. That's when you have a problem. Like I know country, they kind of want to cut it three, three, three minutes, three 30. That's kind of where they are because they want you to tell the story and, and get it over pop. 
they're giving you three minutes and half the song is exactly the same. It's the same beat to the whole song. And then it's like one verse with like two lines and then it's just repetitive the rest of the way. And it's earworm to them because that's what they hear. So, I mean, some, if, if somebody tells a rocker that their song is too long, then they have no idea what the they'll talk yeah. about. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I remember, um, actually reading they did this like really fascinating scientific uh, uh, analysis of music through the decades mm-hmm. and uh, so obviously they use a lot of complex variables and you know they took all this music into the lab and broke it down blah blah and in terms of um, so obviously I'm sort of simplifying this right now and presenting it very superficially but uh, based on the, the sort of technical variables that these, these scientists use they said look hands down the 60s is the most complex decade for music and as each decade has gone by it has severely declined even on the lyrical intelligence scale where on one hand you have bob dylan and you know on the other hand you have modern pop music which is like you said it's just repetitive chanting and that's it's it's more like uh, you know i was to me it's it's like advertisement jingles now and because uh, it's like your standardized chord which you know i mean if you write anything in gc and d right of course it's going to sound you know pleasant to the ears so but you add like a b to this that whatever and boom you know three minutes 30 seconds like you said and the kids love it yep. there's no thought process nothing it's just all right here we go <laughs> well, let's get to another one of your songs which one would you like to play next uh, we can go with the, uh, how about stick it to you? Stick it to you. All right. Here you go. And play.
I like to jam stuff in the middle. <laughs> oh, I think I muted you. There it goes. I hit the wrong button. <laughs> mute. Too many buttons on a computer. <laughs> See, now that's that's a that's a jam band kind of song because you you get that that tempo change and you just take off. Yeah, we do. I do that a, a, a lot in my songs. Actually, it's like uh, you know, I guess old habits die hard, right? Um, you know, you want to sort of push the song to territories, unstructured, you know, formats, and always leaves the the listener guessing. I guess you know, well, where's this one going to go now, right? Um, and that that's fun, right? We just sort of let loose when uh, you know. Know, devil may care or something. All right, let's just and like a lot of guitar solos and stuff that I actually do. Uh, it's literally on the spot, right? It's just like because, um, like, let it be as natural as possible, right? Um, you know, some are, you know, a bit more technical. Some are just true. So it's like really playing to the song and just sort of letting yourself be free at that point. Uh, it's pretty much to level. And uh, I think some of the best stuff comes out where you, know, you just don't put too much thought into it or mm-hmm. put yourself under so much pressure and uh, I just you know, go free and suddenly you know, you're like, wow, this is pretty cool, right? Um, I was trying to see how many references right. I could hear in that song because I heard Sultan's a Swing <laughs> and I heard uh, ACDC, The Hell's Bells, and then The Rock or Bust. How many, uh, how many actually are in it? Oh, so many. There's a Johnny Winter one. There's a Clapton. There's Aerosmith. The whole Get Your Wings. Um, there's Get Your Yaya's out Rolling Stones. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I wrote this. This the the lyrics were. Geez, I I don't even know her full name. It's just some musician, some pop musician, something, some some the name of Phoebe or something, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and I don't know, you know, when because I'd, you know, all these Clapton blues articles show up on my news feed. So I'm always reading them and blah, blah. And one day this article shows up and so and so bashes Eric Clapton or whatever. And I was like, all right, well, let's see what this is about. And it was actually pretty crude, some of the things she said. And, uh, I, don't, I don't know who this is, right? And, uh, so I was like, all right, well, you know, uh, we can just take the banner and uh, back up, uh, you know, uh, our heroes of the blues, right? I was like, all right, well, you know, I'll, I'll write a song to defend, you know. Uh, yeah, Clapton is one of my favorite guitarists. I love oh, yeah. Clapton. Yeah, just absolutely amazing. Right? It's, it's, it's like sometimes, you know, I always say, like, I'd probably be a lot better guitar player if uh, if I spent more time playing guitar than listening to these guys. <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, well i always ask when for like for these for these records like you name what did you name your record and what was it again it was uh i can blow the lid right yeah so is there a reason for how blow is there a certain story behind the name of it blow the lid or yeah uh we you know with the the song itself is uh, really fascinating as well because it's just you know sort of uh, social political commentary. Okay. But um, mm-hmm. but the reason why I sort of uh, 
call the record global labels because, uh, you know, on this record, we took a lot of liberties with the songwriting and uh, mm -hmm. I sort of really sort of pushed myself, like I said, to, to places where, you know, sometimes it's out of your comfort zone as well, right? Mm -hmm. In the sense, uh, how will an 18 minute song work or, you know, with some of the jams in the middle of it. So, uh, so the, the whole songwriting process was, was so, so fascinating, right? It was, it, to me, it was an unforgettable experience. And, uh, and when I said it, you know, sort of pushes you out of my comfort zone in a sense, in a, in a very progressive way, like positive way, where, um, you know, I'm sitting thinking, going, wow, I didn't even know I could do this, right? And, uh, and so it's, I think it's just sort of metaphorically saying, you know, all right, you know, with On the Pole, the previous one, you know, I sort of really, that's, that, if that was my identity record, then this is like our sort of attempt to really hit the, uh, the landing. Right? Okay. So before I let you go, Izzy, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Um, Michael, Michael reached out to me and he said, yeah, I've got all these artists. I was like, send them all my way. I love talking to all songwriters. I don't care what genre you play. I don't care where you're at. If you want to take the time, we can zoom. We'll talk. Uh, if you're close, if you're in Georgia, then I've got a gazebo. I record out here outside. So before I let you go, though, I want you to tell, tell everybody where they can find you, all your social media, everything that you want them to know about you. Yeah. Uh, we can, uh, you guys can go to our website. It's www.izzyscaravan.com. That's I-Z-I-E-S, Caravan. It's a really action-packed website. I mean, it's like a scrapbook sort of thing, right? Which, like, personally for me, it's like whatever, you know, any press coverage and everything's out there, right? So it's really active. It's really bad. You know, all the music's up there, videos and stuff. There's a lot to discover there. Um, Facebook page is there. Um, just Izzy's Caravan. Uh, Instagram, same thing. Um, and all the music's out there on all the streaming platforms. Uh, so uh, have fun. Now, I always ask guests to, before I let them go, they got to tell me a hidden talent. Hidden talent? Uh, well, so I don't know if it even qualifies as a talent, though, but... Um, but believe it or not, I was a, you know, my, this outside of music, my other, sort of, the second love of my life is actually philosophy. Because okay. I, I did all my, my academic work in philosophy. So, uh, so I always have these projects and stuff where I'm always writing down thoughts and stuff and, you know, articles and, you know, ethical, ethical issues. That I, you know, ripping out my old Aristotle and whatnot. Mm -hmm. All right. So, so yeah, I spent a lot of time doing that as well. Uh, okay. Well, so then now you have to give us a quote. What's your favorite quote then? What's my favorite quote? Your philosophical uh, quote. Uh, wow, you, you put me on the spot. Um, <laughs> you know, actually, I, I, I read a really great, uh, you know, there was a really great George Orwell quote that, that I came across. It was something about um, um, the, oh, it was brilliant. It was something about... Uh, when truth dies in a society, then uh, whoever ultimately speaks it will be pretty much condemned by everybody around him. Mm -hmm. and something. And it's just 
which is brilliant. Uh, uh, so, and that's precisely what's happening in the world today, right? In the media, mainstream media, the truth is now lost, right? Uh, let's just make up stuff as we go along. And, uh, Truth has kind of became a part where is is truth should not be in everybody's in the eye of the beholder. It should be the actual truth. I can I completely Thank agree you. with you. It's it, if you're making it fit a narrative. And I'm gonna go down a tangent. We do this all the time. I don't I don't mind doing tangents. Like I said, this, these conversations are different because I mean we'll talk about music obviously, but if you're gonna if you're gonna tell stories, you know, when I was a kid, if I told a story, I got my ass whooped. I would get that deck to switch or a belt or whatever, and I would get in trouble. Now people tell these stories and there's no facts behind them or there's no, you, you can't, they can't, they can't like a, what's the word? They can't, they can't prove anything or they can't back up their, their facts. And if you start questioning, they get all mad and huffy. I'm like, look, I play devil's advocate with my wife all the time. She hates it. I do. I could, I told her, I could agree with you. I'm just, just I'm just giving you another point of view to see what you say. And she gets so mad when I do that. <laughs> she gets so mad at me. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're absolutely correct though, right? It's uh, in this sort of, this, this, you know, and I, I'm very sort of, uh, I, I don't appreciate this sort of postmodern, uh, uh, worldview that we've constructed where you know truth and falsehood don't exist anymore it's like my truth is your falsehood your truth is my falsehood and that's fine let's all just move on with life right, right. Uh, uh, no right there are certain truths that are out there and you just have to discover them I mean you know the light from the sun takes eight minutes to reach the earth that's that's a fact right that's an observable fact and that's true right and, so we can go down the path of and again, you know, if we take truth away, what is it? We're left with a cynical, borderline nihilistic social system. That's that's what you know. If you look around, that's what people like slowly becoming, right? And it's uh, it's kind of sad to see what's what's happening. Right now, so. I always said that there's the two the two main philosophies that I've grew up with is one: if you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. Just keep your mouth closed. And two is always treat other people as you want to be treated. That's always been the golden rule. Absolutely. You know, I I, I literally said something very similar to somebody I know who's a lot younger than me. We were actually discussing social media and Twitter and how, you know, how it's actually really sort of degenerating truth now. And, Mm -hmm. uh, And that's what I was telling this, this, that you know, when, uh, at least in my generation, uh, we were taught one very, very important sort of uh, uh, thing in life, which is always think before you speak, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so, so you take that sort of you know socialized idea, and you're always like, hmm, you know, if I say this, right? I mean, at sometimes, and I thought, I said, look, man, it's better to be silent and look ignorant than open your mouth and actually prove. You know, you're pretty stupid, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> There's just some good uh, philosophy so, advice right there. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, that's basically, you know, now that's why I just don't have social media. Stuff, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, uh, yeah, I keep, I try to keep my kids off of it, but for that very reason, because there are so many people that when they're on it, it they will say some of the meanest things in the world, but they would never say it to your face. 
and they hide behind a computer and they hide behind names. It's not the real names. And for kids, you know, adults, yeah, you can pretty much shake it off. You should be able to, you're, you're grown up, you know, people, people say what they want to say, whatever, that's fine. But when you're a kid, you kind of take that stuff to heart. And so I won't let my kids really get on it on in social media because I don't want them to be negatively affected by somebody else that's really is just having a hard time or whatever. They're, they're that way for a reason that it's, it's their problems, not yours. But when they tell you bad things, if you're a kid, you take it as, as real and it's, it's, it's not. And that's why I try to keep my, my little kids off of there. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, that, that's uh that's very commendable. And it's uh it's actually uh, it's 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 becoming unnerving now because uh, uh, I mean sometimes when you go on YouTube and stuff and you and you just happen to scroll through the comments and stuff and it's just like, like wow I mean somebody actually like I live my life by one simple rule which is um, you know to me my biggest sort of commodity is time right so on my deathbed when I look back right did I live my life the way I wanted to, right? Uh, and and so, so when I'm sitting reading these comments, I'm like, wow, somebody actually took like a minute or two minutes out of their life to just arbitrarily condemn somebody who's maybe put on a you know, video or something. It's like, wow, man, I mean, uh, you honestly, at that point in time, didn't have anything else to do. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> maybe you should pick up the guitar and play, right? And, uh, you know, I'll spend some, you know, in a sense, spend some time doing something productive, right? right. You know, because like I'm already, in fact, I was just laying down the tracks today as well um, because, you know, we're, we're like, all right, we're stuck at home. So I was like, let's just drop another EP, right? And so I was like, all right, well, we'll uh, we're still we're doing a, a Rory Gallagher uh, four song tribute. EP, right? um, really excited about that but I know what's going to happen right you know it goes out a lot of people are like hold up you know you're not Rory Gallagher and I'm like I'm not trying to be Rory Gallagher I'm actually mm-hmm. being back to somebody who means so much to me it's not will I ever be Rory Gallagher absolutely not he was he was one of a kind right there's never going to be another Rory Gallagher but um, it's just my way of giving respect to somebody who obviously made such a difference in my life so, but yeah, you know, th- this is part and parcel of uh, now this toxicity, whatever you call it now. It's, it's uh, something you just have to live with. Uh, yep. I always, I was, I, I told somebody the other day, I said, look, I made a little post. I said, I know I rubbed people the wrong way, but at least I thought enough of, of you to rub you at all. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. And as you know, again, I want to thank you for coming on the show. And the way I, I tell Michael, I always record the audios of these and I will release it as a podcast here in a couple of weeks. Uh, you got a couple in front of you. So before I do, I'll let you know that I'm going to release it and it'll be available on all the platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google podcast, uh, my website, they can go to it. They can go to uh, georgiasongbirds.com. There's always a list of everywhere they can listen or they can listen straight from the website. So just send them there or the Facebook, Instagram. I've got all those things too. I mean, I have Twitter. I don't really use it the right way. I know I don't, but I have it. I have a TikTok yeah. that I don't even really use. I have like two <laughs> two posts on it, but I, and it's my kids yeah. stuff. 
So all that stuff's there. But again, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much. It's, you know, I, I had such a great time. I didn't even realize it was like it already an hour had gone by, and I kind of feel bad. I took so much of your time. And, uh, yep. uh, it was, I, had, I had an absolute blast, man. It was, it was awesome. Me too. I appreciate it. And I like interviews like that. Like I said, with these interviews, I told Michael, I said, there's not really a, a set way I do it because I never know what I'm going to get. I said, we'll start talking and then you'll say something like, oh, that's cool. And, and we'll go off that tangent and then we'll bring it back to music and they can go an hour and a half, two hours. I mean, you never know. So, but again, thank you for coming on and uh, we will let everybody hear your music and I'll put one song uh, at the end too. Is there a certain song that you want me to put in at the end? Uh, yeah, we can do uh, A Beautiful Nightmare. Okay, beautiful. I'm gonna write that down, and I'll add that at the end. Beautiful nightmare. All right, I got it down, and uh, again, thank you, Izzy. And I'll let you go. I'm gonna go grab me some dinner. All right, have fun. (laughs) See you. Bye. Bye.